Hello, Gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers. And I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure. Welcome to season seven. Can you believe it, Margot? <laughs> I can't believe it. I think, gosh, did we start this in 2018, 2019? I mean, it's been a number of years. It kind of blows my well, mind. In pandemic years, it's been about 20 years. In pandemic years, so, it's been forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Awesome. Well, you know, we've had a nice summer hiatus where I know mm-hmm. both Julia and I have had some nice adventures and other other endeavors we've been involved in, but we're really excited to bring it back for this season. Definitely. And we are kind of opening with a bang. We <laughs> wanted to start this this season with a really interesting conversation. And so we uh, are going to bring you the story of Dan Schmidt. He's a COVID gapper. So he took his gap year kind of as a direct result of COVID. And he really wanted to figure out a way to expand his professional and creative skills while staying closer to home, or at least in the States. He actually ended up traveling all over the country. But he, through a series of events that he will describe on the interview, became a videographer for a company called Adventures with Purpose. And he actually traveled with this company solving cold cases all over the US. Pretty crazy. I cannot believe that. I didn't even know this was a thing, an option that a student could do on a gap year, but what a fascinating way to spend that time. I mean, really. Yes, he has the most interesting stories. He gives us a couple anecdotes of some of the cases that he worked on and also just, you know, how working with very heavy material, heavy subjects um, affected him and kind of informed his path moving forward. So really, really interesting conversation. And I think that one of the cool things about this interview is that it truly showcases how diverse the array of possibilities are for a gap year. Absolutely. I am so excited to hear more of his stories and the, I mean, this is really, I think, proof of nothing else that you really can do anything with your gap time. So I'm super excited to hear more of his story. Definitely. And you can also watch Dan's videos um, on YouTube at just handle Dan Schmidt. So check him out there as well. But in the meantime, let's get started. And thank you so much for being here. Season seven. Woohoo. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming to Gap Your Radio. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Julia. So we're going to get right into it. And um, just for some background for the listeners, you were a COVID gapper, meaning that you took a gap year kind of as a direct result of schools closing down last summer. So can you tell us a little bit about that thought process for you and how you kind of came to the decision to take a gap year? Yeah, totally. So being a COVID gapper, I... First of all, I'm really thankful for COVID allowing me to take a gap year, not for what COVID is, but being able to take a gap year wouldn't have been possible if COVID wasn't there to really give me that final push. But I was in a very unique situation where in high school, I was a very creative kid, had my own media business. So I filmed weddings, did did that type of thing. But I also was pretty academic, wanting to go to college, wanting to really pursue the more um, like the status quo, if you will. Mm. And so, so that left, so that left me really torn. I wanted to take a gap year, but it's just like a lot to take on. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'll do. But 
thankfully COVID came along and I just was not that excited about remote learning. Mm. So because of that, I committed to taking the gap year and that really allowed me to see if this whole media business that I had built is something that I see as a like fulfilling career and something that I'd rather do, rather do opposed to going to college and getting a more typical job. Sure. So, you know, we'll get into kind of how you spent most of your gap year, which is incredibly interesting. There's a lot to talk about there. But when it when you first made that decision, it sounds like you were kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to expand my media company. Did you have other goals for your gap time? Did you come come at it with a lot of intention or was it kind of a reaction and therefore kind of like you're kind of figuring it out as you went along? How did that go for you? Um, I would say it was a fair combination of both. I always wanted to take a gap year and do the more standard travel, like (laughs) travel gap year. But unfortunately, COVID didn't really allow for that. Mm. But at the same time, I also came at it with the intention of really figuring out this media business as I kind of figured COVID wouldn't allow me to travel as much. And at the time, I had no clue how long COVID would last. So I was definitely hoping to travel and do some self-discovery in like a more typical traveling format, but I was unable to do that as a result of COVID. So yes, it was much more, it ended up being much more of just seeing if I could expand my business and make it a viable career. Right. Yeah, definitely a worthwhile way to spend a lot of your time. One of the things that I, I always tell my students when we're kind of in that planning process is that if you can subcategorize your your year into kind of like three areas, personal, practical, and professional, then you've mm-hmm. had a pretty holistic, you know, approach to your gap time. So like doing some stuff that's just fun for yourself, doing some stuff that's practical, real life skill building, and then like some stuff that's career exploration. So exactly. Sounds like kind of at the end of the day, you got all three, just you didn't necessarily <laughs> yes. expect to know how that was going to all go down. Which kind of brings me to our next, like, the next part of this, which is, you know, talking about how you spent the bulk of this year. So from what I understand from some of the research I've done is that the way that this all came about was through LinkedIn, which, you know, shout out to the most the like kind of redheaded stepchild of all social media <laughs> platforms for guiding you towards a really cool opportunity. But tell us like the origin story of how you ended up with the organization that you ended up spending most of your gap year with. Yeah, so LinkedIn, I'm actually a huge proponent for it. I I tell all of my friends to make a LinkedIn profile as it will change their life. And it actually has le- led a lot of my friends to these incredible opportunities as like older people will see kids on LinkedIn and be like, wow, these kids really must be driven if they're making a LinkedIn profile at such a young age. Right. So pro tip, make a LinkedIn profile if you're under 20 check the show notes we'll put a link in for that website because you've never heard of it before if you're listening to the show (laughs) but really i I created this linkedin profile because i because of covid most my most of the opportunities that i would have been able to pursue with my business like filming weddings and filming like summer camps was they were they were pretty much all canceled due to covid so I had to find a way to leverage my skills that would still be possible with COVID. Mm. So creating the LinkedIn profile really was the only, like I I tried normal social media, but LinkedIn just worked 
like incredibly well. It's just such an amazing platform if you're young. And so for me, I put like a good portfolio of all my media work on my LinkedIn profile and then just started adding literally every person that popped up regardless if I knew them, regardless if they lived nearby, just anyone that popped up. They even like banned me from adding people for a few days because I was adding so many people. And people started reaching out to me as that's kind of, I don't know, a lot of people on LinkedIn are fairly social and just wanting to see why you added them as a connection. Mm. And relatively quickly, I'd say within a week of me creating my LinkedIn profile, my my former boss reached out to me and was really stoked on my capabilities and my portfolio. And he actually had his own YouTube channel that at the time had 250,000 subscribers. And it was really based around just scuba diving, searching for treasure. And he said he was looking for an editor and cameraman as he's really starting to scale things. And I really fit the bill, although I was young. I <laughs> He really respected how much of a go-getter I seemed like by creating this LinkedIn profile and just putting myself out there. And... <laughs> Very quickly from there, things took off. So so the organization that you ended up working with um, was called Adventures with Purpose. So they were originally or conceived as a treasure hunting operation, but how did, when you were brought on, what how did that change or evolve? Yeah, so actually right about the time that I was brought on, they were filming a video in Portland, Oregon, and the big thing that my boss discovered was kind of his niche on YouTube was actually raising cars that are submerged underwater by using Mm -hmm. these big lift bags. And he was getting really good at that, finding that people find that very entertaining. It's also very like satisfying to look inside these cars that have been underwater for a long time. Once Mm -hmm. they're brought back up, there's just like mud and fish and goop everywhere. (laughs) But he Anyway, back to the story, he was in Portland and removing a car. And as soon as the car came up and they had pulled it ashore, they were looking inside. The windows were up and there was actually a missing person inside, which was just devastating to them. And really that started this new movement very unintentionally where all these families across the U.S. saw that video and they started reaching out to him to have him come search for their missing loved ones as he had this water specialty of being able to dive. And eventually we became very, very good at sonar. So we really, about the time I joined, started this whole new thing of solving cold cases and searching for missing persons, which really is what most of, the, most of my gap year was spent doing. Wow. That, you know, that definitely takes a leap of faith. And so you hit the road with a bunch of middle-aged men, as I understand it, for months at a time. So, like, how did that, how did you decide to do that? What did your parents say? Like, how did that, how did you feel at the beginning of this adventure? Yeah, I I definitely was nervous. I, I had met my boss for like five minutes in person. The majority of our conversations had been through text. And 
I definitely was nervous, but it also seemed like such an incredible opportunity opportunity. I didn't really have fear of like being abducted or something because just in the nature of putting stuff on YouTube, you're kind of right. a celebrity in a <laughs> sense. So I don't really think you could do that. So I, I felt fairly safe in that sense. So it was really not the biggest leap of faith for me as it seemed very right given everything I'd done leading up to this point. Like it just seemed like the natural progression of where I wanted to go is I've always been very interested in like the YouTube platform and making a living from that. So I really should have felt more nervous than I was. And my parents definitely were a little skeptical of it, <laughs> but <laughs> I just followed through with it and it all seemed to work out totally amazing like I am so thankful that I made that leap of faith yeah and so what was your role in the production of these um, videos <laughs> and like how often were you taking on different cases like how did how did the mm -hmm. rhythm of life on the road take hold yeah so my role was really initially just being the editor but very quickly I proved that I was also very talented with the camera so I quickly became the cameraman as well and then after that I proved I was very good at flying drones so I became the drone <laughs> operator <laughs> and really my responsibilities just kept stacking up from there so wow. by the and how, how many that, people were on the crew like who, when you were traveling around how many people were there um so there was two guys in the RV with me two divers mm -hmm. and then very often we'd meet up with other local dive teams depending on where we were so gotcha. most often there'd be like five, six people involved with a shoot. Uh, okay, back to, I was cameraman and editor. So I, I really, by the time that I ended up finishing my time with Adventures with Purpose, I was like the creative lead, like full creative control had been put on me. I had full control of what the show looked like. And mm. I really proved my value in that sense. And like really escalating and taking the show to new heights in terms of production quality and just it was much more like viewer retention time went up immensely in my time as I really was good at finding what people wanted to watch and what people wanted to see wow um, that's amazing what a, what an accomplishment <laughs> yeah it was quite the accomplishment I actually took the YouTube channel from 250,000 subscribers when I started to over 1 million in just a matter of eight months, wow. which is insane on YouTube. And the really the secret formula, formula to that, this is like insider tip, is just retention time as mm. the platform rewards videos that are getting views and people are watching because ads are shown on those videos and then YouTube makes money from that is, and then splits the cut with the person creating the video. So through doing that, we were able to really gain a lot of attention and the algorithm just kept pushing our content further and further. And as a result, we were able to really fund our adventures through just creating these videos, which is so cool to like see as a possibility in this day and age. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've watched some of your videos on the Adventures with Purpose platform on YouTube and it's it's heavy stuff um some mm -hmm. of some of some of the stories so tell me about one of the more impactful cases that you worked on and and 
you know, how it unfolded? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in our time, I, I think we solved seven or six cold cases when I was in my time as a part of Adventures with Purpose. And I'd say the most, the most story worthy, let's go, was the case we were searching for this mom. Her name was Carrie Mae Parker. She was, I th- I'm not sure how old she was at the time she went missing, but she had been missing for nearly 30 years. Wow. And the th- this was down, I think it was in western texas which with with adventures of purpose i got to experience so many different parts of the u.s which was just absolutely insane as i never saw myself going to a lot of the states we went to Mm. which was so cool to really be immersed within the culture but this case we she had been missing for 30 years the day she went missing she was on her way to her four-year-old son's birthday and she just never showed up to her son's birthday and they had no clue what happened to her she just disappeared completely off the radar and they done several searches with some of the biggest search organizations in the united states and everyone just came out absolutely puzzled but we showed up that morning the day we solved the case and we met up with carrie's sister who really gave us the backstory, told us about all Carrie's children, and told us about possible theories about where her car and she might be located. Mm. And after our kind of debriefing, or our briefing, we went out in the water with our boat. We had this little dinghy with sonar, very nice sonar, like state-of-the-art technology. Like (laughs) it looked like a little dinky boat, but we had very (laughs) nice equipment on the boat which allowed us to really be mobile and do whatever we wanted and we get out on the water and i'd say within an hour of just sonaring this one causeway we suddenly see something on sonar and after 30 years a car is going to be fairly deteriorated after being in water for that long it's just Mm. destined to rust out and start falling apart so we couldn't fully tell if it was a car but it had the general shape so what we do is we drop a magnet on the car and then that allows us to have a line for the divers to go down on to go Mm -hmm. verify that it's the car so we drop this line and then we take the line to shore which this is a causeway so there's this big highway with water on both sides and we take the line to the shore and then i'm in charge of taking this line and like tying it up to the highway guardrail Mm -hmm. but as we go there, like perfectly perpendicular to where the car is, there's these happy birthday balloons like on the side of the causeway. Like just the strangest coincidence as she was on her way to her son's birthday. Mm. And these happy birthdays, happy birthday balloons are right there, which just really made all of our hearts just drop. It's very weird solving like working on cold cases as we, there's this thing we just call the feeling where suddenly you just know that mm. this is the person you haven't verified it but you just know it's this very weird 
feeling that's just like intuitive yeah it's super intuitive Mm. so we see these happy birthday balloons we take them to carrie's sister she is very emotional at that point we bring divers back out to the car dive down on the car it's super deteriorated we can't really the water's very murky so we can't really verify that it's her vehicle Mm -hmm. so in that case we just rip parts off of the vehicle and then take them to shore and then look for VIN numbers or part numbers mm-hmm. and then that's how we can verify. Right. And we actually were able to, one of the divers pulled a door panel off of this car. It was a Buick Skylark, I believe. Way, way older than me. Mm-hmm. The diver took the part to shore and that, by that time, the Carrie's son had shown up, the son whose birthday it was when Carrie went mess went missing. He's mm. in his thirties now, I think. Um, and he saw this door panel, and immediately he saw this little blue dot on the side of it. And upon closer examination, it was a Smurf sticker. I believe it was Papa Smurf. Whoa! And when he was a kid, he was obsessed with the Smurfs, like absolutely infatuated. And. <laughs> Yeah, at that point, we all just were very emotional as that really verified it. Like, not the part number, but just the son finding the Smurf sticker that he put there 30-some years ago. Wow. Which was so emotional and a lot to handle. And, yeah, from there in Texas, they, they don't mess around. We had a tow truck there within 30 minutes. And removing the car was fairly challenging as a 30 year old car is going to come up in many different pieces the frames not very that like it's not very structural so we get this car out and verify the VIN number it's a match it's exactly the car that Carrie was driving but Carrie's not inside which created a whole nother mystery mm-hmm. as uh, but but we we strongly believe that just in removing the car her body fell out of the vehicle as it's just so deteriorated right but we also can't verify that they sent cadaver teams there after we left they couldn't find any human remains so the mystery still remains but we like to believe that carrie was with her vehicle at the time we found it Oh boy, Dan, like <laughs> this is a lot different of a gap year than someone backpacking through Europe. I mean, this is, <laughs> Most this is heavy, heavy stuff. Um, my husband um, is a, is on a search and rescue team here in Vermont. And so I'm familiar with um, how heavy expeditions like this can be um, and mm-hmm. the toll that the emotional toll that it takes and so I think it's really interesting um, that an experience like you've had is both incredibly professionally informative and, and like, you know, has helped you develop so much in that way, but is also, I'm sure, has had, you know, impacts on, on you emotionally and otherwise. Um, how, are, how, how did you develop tools or did you develop tools to process what you experienced are you like and and does that continue um and how like just yeah how how does mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you have you developed opportunities to deal with what you've experienced um yeah so through doing working with adventures of purpose i was really able to have this huge realization 
that really allowed me to change the way that I take on life and that realization being just around my relationship with creativity for so much of my life I was using creativity in my media business as a way to escape my reality I just really enjoyed how working and doing just doing this tackling creative endeavors allowed me to escape my reality and not face the things that I wasn't too fond of facing. Mm. So I carried this with me to Adventures with Purpose. And as you can imagine, with this very intense subject matter, there's definitely feelings that you need to feel. And you like, it's just so many emotions and just shoving that all away, like I was where I was much more focused on Let's just continue working, keep your head up, like you got a lot of creative work to do. So I was just escaping through working 24-7, like I barely slept. I would just work around the clock mm. when we were on the road. And that that was very toxic for me. And it took me a long time to fully realize that this is something that I've been doing for my entire life. and. I missed out on a lot of life as I let my creativity just fully control me and prevent me from having more real experiences and feeling feelings. Mm. So from this intense subject matter, I was able to realize that about myself and grow a lot as a person. And yeah, it was definitely not healthy in the moment. But by the time I got back and had time to really think things through and analyze what I had been through, I just this realization was huge to me as I intended to go to college for something creative. And it's really just made me reconsider everything creative because I don't I don't know if the way that I'm approaching creativity is the healthiest as I have this tendency to just let it absolutely consume me and pull me away from anything else in life yeah well it's i mean it's it is incredible how how those kinds of epiphanies can happen through kind of some of these more emotional trials that people go through on their gap time um i i spent my gap year in tanzania um and i was doing um sexual reproductive health and that's a very heavy topic um Mm -hmm. in east africa where the when I was there, which was um, 10 years ago, you know, the HIV AIDS prevalence was much higher. And, you know, there were children being, you know, infected and people who couldn't have access to drugs. And, you know, like the things that are just really real life problems, life and death problems. And, you know, it, it really changes your perspective and outlook on life. So I I appreciate that um, that, that happened for you through this experience. Um, I'm also, you know, really interested to hear more about what you mentioned before with the subcultures of the United States and how you got to experience all these little nooks and crannies of our country that sometimes go unnoticed, or at least they're not like on the top of the must see destinations. (laughs) So what do you feel like you learned about our country through this experience? I learned our country, the United States is very diverse. Mm. There's so many different types of people spread throughout the U S and it's just, so interesting to see how there's not an equal spread in terms of demographics and just 
who people are and i i specifically we spent a lot of time in the south as there's a lot of cold cases down there that go unnoticed mm-hmm. and for me i had no clue about a lot of the cultural differences in the south and it was very eye-opening to just experience these people and see how big of an element family is there as family is huge in the south and i found that very fascinating as growing up on the west coast i feel like family is much like like it's still important but it's not this like very core thing to who you are and what you do Mm. so i'd say family was the biggest thing that i found fascinating and how different parts of the u.s treat family as i really got to work with families throughout every part of the u.s and searching for their loved ones and it's just very fascinating to see how they were connected to their loved one and how they treated others like other family members assisting with the search and yeah i it was very it it made me come back and just want to hug my loved ones as Mm. family's a big deal and it's very crazy how it's approached depending on different contexts yeah did it did it does it make you feel like there's like did it make you feel like across kind of even though we seem very divided that there's more similar than difference or did you notice like a lot of like were those cultural differences enough for you to say like oh my gosh we're all very different (laughs) yeah i definitely say they they made me say oh my gosh we're all very different Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, i think i think that's especially because of the it being a covid gap year just because unfortunately covid became political Mm. in some sense so the just seeing like where people are wearing masks like different parts of the u.s and just how that's approached is very fascinating as well i don't know how political we want to go on the podcast but (laughs) you're in a you're in a safe space here for for politics we interview (laughs) activists all the time and stuff like that so but not not necessary unless you want to (laughs) it it was just very it was very very fascinating to Mm. see how that's treated and like how coming from the west coast where masks are very common and then going to the other side of the u.s and seeing how far and few they are and also just seeing how how much closer people live in the Mm. south like definitely share room rooms with family much more often it's it's a lot there's a lot less solitude right interesting yeah it's just very interesting to see all the dynamics the family dynamics yeah so with all of so now you have a different um, experience that you're about to embark on um so why don't you tell us about the next stage of your gap time that you're going to be spending the next couple months engaged with so this next chapter of my gap year be, really have been on by the time i start school in january i've well i've been away from school for nearly two years just because with covid school ended about halfway through the year mm-hmm. and I, i'm starting to back up in january so in a sense i'm taking two two gap years even though it's labeled as one 
But for the following few months, I plan to pursue internships as well as more so focus on just sharing my stories and experiences in the hopes of inspiring others to commit to taking a gap year or just proving to them that you can really make a living doing whatever you want in the 2020s as like the creator economy and making videos or just making art for that matter can bring value to so many people and very few people are realizing that now more than ever that's an absolute possibility mm. and I think that I have a very valuable perspective on that as I've spent so much of my life immersed within these creative like more modern creative with video and photo I'm, I'm really excited to use my perspective I'm really excited to share my perspective on creating and hopefully inspire others to possibly take a gap year and pursue creative avenues opposed to just traveling as this really unintentionally led led to the like most self-discovery I've ever experienced in my life and it was it's definitely through a very avant-garde like fashion mm. but I'm so thankful for it and if I could just make one person take an experience take a gap year and just pursue whatever creative endeavors they're interested in I would feel so fulfilled as that's just almost a mission of mine within the next few months to just inspire others to take gap years pursue their creative interests and just be themselves yeah well perfect timing for you being a, a subject on our podcast then because that's we're in the business of that too so shared mission i love it um you know i think that i to to your point about your thought process when you first were kind of say i hear that so much i guess is what i'm trying to say i hear people say I, I want I always wanted to take a gap year and then there's always like a reason why they didn't. Um, and so I heard that kind of in your explanation about how it like took COVID for you to take a gap year, which I've heard, mm -hmm. also heard a lot this year. So what is that key piece of advice that you would give a, a high school senior who's like, who kind of knows it in deep down that they want and need and would benefit from gap time, but are afraid of that unknown. I, I really don't think it's that profound, <laughs> um, but just just do it. Like, like that, that that may not be extraordinary, or it may sound like I'm just ripping off Nike, mm. but really, I think that's that's what's going to allow you to grow so much as a person. As if you're really skeptical of taking a gap year and worried about what you'll do in your time off, I I think that you should take that time off as you're going to be uncomfortable with it. And that's going to leave a lot of room for you to grow as a person and pursue things you never really would have had time to pursue in your life as it absolutely can change what you want to do with your life and where you want to take your life. Mm. So true. And I wish that if we weren't going to get sued by Nike for doing this, I would totally make just do it 
t-shirts like take a gap year colon <laughs> exactly. just do it because it is funny i i interview we interview you know gap year alums all the time on this podcast and i ask that question of everybody and so many students are just like just do it just just do it it's mm-hmm. not that hard just do it um but there is something between the decision and like the just do it like there's that there's some intangible barrier that i have yet to kind of completely isolate that we have to break down i think to get people there um and so totally but the more stories the better so that's why that's why we brought you on (laughs) um exactly is there anything else any other tips that you would give to someone who's contemplating or planning a gap year as far as like how to make the most of it um really just put yourself out there as scary as it may be as that will open as many doors as you want to go through continue putting yourself out there even if it's scary or even if it seems to not be leading to anywhere as eventually it will as long as you're consistent and people can see that you're passionate about whatever it is that you are doing yeah i make a linkedin profile right (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) perfect Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, thank you to everyone out there for listening. So you can find Dan on Instagram at Dan S. Schmidt or online at danschmidtmedia.co. And you can check out Adventures with Purpose on their YouTube channel or at adventureswithpurpose.com. You can find us here at Gap Your Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Your Radio or online at gapyourradiopodcast.com. And you can email us your Gap Year questions or comments at gapyearradio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you have a moment, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can discover the show. So Dan, one thing that we do to close out every episode is we ask our uh, guests to take us out in um, usually a foreign language if they've spent time abroad on their gap time or if they speak a foreign language. Um, but we also allow for regional diction. And I'm wondering if like there's anything that comes to mind for you as like far as like a phrase you maybe heard on your gap year that people met, said to like say see you later or um, or just a language maybe you studied in, in school that you can dredge up um, to share with us as, as a outro. <laughs> hmm. um, there, there's something on the tip of my tongue that a lot of people in Kentucky say. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. But I can't. So I'll just resort back to my Chinese roots (laughs) from high school. So Zaijian. Zaijian. All right. Perfect. And if we remember that Kentucky phrase, we'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanks again, Dan. Thank you. Bye.